Welcome to the X-Men Files, a podcast where Inessa and Brian talk about the X-Men comics. He's reading them again as an adult, she's reading them for the first time. So grab your back issues out of their Mylar bags, and let's talk about the greatest comic book series ever, the X-Men. Hi there, I'm Inessa. And I'm Brian. This <laughs> is the X-Men Files. We're going to dive right into the recap. Yeah. Let's dive into the recap. You're, Let's just you're, you're doing that, right? Yeah, I'm doing the recap, but um, I, mostly I just want to get across that, that we're going to jump right into yep. this. No no banter. No dicking around. Yep. Okay, we're Let's serious go. professionals. Okay. <laughs> or something. Uh, this is issue number 151. The cover shows Kitty struggling to carry a suitcase across the lawn of Xavier's mansion while all of the X-Men in uniform look on. We open the cover to see that the X-Men, other than possibly Cyclops, all continue to love swimming. We last saw them on a beach, and they look as though they never got out of their bathing suits. (laughs) That was my first note. Why are they all in bikinis? (laughs) The professor has his old man blanket covering his legs, but his shirt is unbuttoned at the top like he just got done snorting coke with Robert Evans. (laughs) Kitty looks sad. We immediately find out why, as Xavier informs everyone that Kitty's parents have pulled her out of the school. Nightcrawler asks whether they can get away with this, and in a move of solidarity with parents everywhere, (laughs) Xavier says that, yes, they can. they can. (laughs) Pretty much whatever they want. In a move of solidarity with children everywhere, Kitty freaks the fuck out about her lack of agency and phases into her room, leaving her bathing suit cover behind for some reason. (laughs) Wolverine suggests that Xavier uses his powers for evil, but I'm too distracted by all the skin to see (laughs) how he responds. Later that same day, Aurora finds a sad kitty hugging a sad blue bear. Kitty pulls up an image of Emma Frost on her computer, and we learn that things are getting pretty awful. That's right, Kitty is probably the only 13-year-old in 1981 to have a computer in her own bedroom, and she will have to give that up when she leaves. (laughs) When she goes someplace else, yep. Uh, Kitty recaps some of the evil shit that Emma Frost has done, from trying to kill the X-Men to wearing thigh-high boots with a corset and a fur-lined cape. They had... <laughs> All while herself in a bikini still. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they had thought that Emma had been killed in a battle with Jean Grey, but what Kitty presupposes is <laughs> she didn't. She didn't. <laughs> also, <a> Kitty... twist. <laughs> <laughs> also, Kitty's parents are getting divorced. Yes. She's having a bad month. Yes. Araro gives him Araro gives her some perspective by reminding Kitty that she went from a Chicago suburb on the North Shore to one swank boarding school and then another. Her parents may be getting divorced, but Araros were murdered. <laughs> were murdered yeah. This backstory you think, you think you have it bad. <laughs> this backstory leaves out the part where Araro participates in a Dickensian pocket picking gang with a bunch of other orphans. But Araro and Kitty do have each other. Kitty says her goodbyes by giving everyone a kiss. Peter gets his on the lips. Mm-hmm. And when did they when did they officially couple they up? Never. I, okay, yeah. cool. I mean, you knew from the days of future past yeah. that they were eventually in some exactly. One yeah, alternate they've been timeline yeah, they've been shipped yeah. already. Yeah, but uh, yeah, okay. Uh, okay, so Aurora, wearing a pretty awesome outfit, drives Kitty to her new school. Also, she's like thirteen or fourteen, and Peter, as far as I can tell, is like a. 38? Yeah. <laughs> so that's a Peter, I, I, Peter is meant to be... Look. <laughs> uh-huh. The relationship is... Uh, it, it Were it to be conjugal, it would be illegal. I think probably even in Alabama. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yep. Uh, moving on. Kitty arrives at the school to see it filled with, spot the 80s, preppies. <laughs> Uh, she gets squared away, and Araro gets her mind read. After that, something mysterious happens in the room. Even stranger, Kitty meets someone named Muffy. <laughs> I'm Muffy, and then yeah. she says that figures. <laughs> that was hilarious. Which, yeah. Uh, okay. More on Muffy. Well, actually, more on Muffy right now. There's not loads to say about it. Um Having grown up in the same uh, sort of general yeah. area that uh, that Kitty is from, and known, you know, some eighties preppies, I have never met anyone named Muffy because it is a synonym for vagina, <laughs> a synonym of slang, rather. I mean, yeah, the synonym as well. Um, the 
name of the president in Doctor Strangelove. Uh, I think his name is like Merkin Muffy, Muffley, I think maybe. <laughs> but basically, like, I mean, this, this is one of those jokes that you're, you're surprised I got away with in, yeah. in like the early 60s. Like, his name is Pussy Pussy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. One of those, like, first time I saw Doctor Strangelove, went right, I mean, I'd never heard the term Merkin uh, before. I've never um, heard that used for. Uh, Merkin, American. Well, um, let's use the term vagina because that keeps it a little cleaner for the kids. For the kids. The kids who are not listening to this. Whatever. Well, well, not whatever. We we say whatever we want. This is this is an e podcast. True. All right, moving on. Uh, that's all that we have to say about Muffy. <laughs> Aurora pulls off the road, lets her hair down, quotes King Lear, and then lets loose with super crazy weather. Yeah. It's so intense that she loses a good deal of her outfit and has to cover up with a white fur coat, and then she lights up a cigarette. Say that's weird. <laughs> I was deeply confused by all of this. Air quotes Auraro phones up the Hellfire Club and chats with Sebastian Shaw. We now know what the jig is, and it's a very sinister <laughs> jig indeed. It is very sinister. Auraro and Emma Frost have switched brains. I had to go back and reread several pages because I was very yeah, confused. Yeah, yeah. Big switcheroo, huh? Yeah. Big, big, you know, left turn on that. All right. So, while Emma is whooping it up in her new body, Auraro is not having a great time in hers. <laughs> Her storm powers are gone, and she's weary from the zapping that she got. Meanwhile, Kurt is with his childhood friend, Amanda. Yeah. They're having a romantic walk, and they make with the smoochie smooch. Aww. However, in time-honored, since the 70s, slasher flick fashion, <laughs> physical romance at night in the woods is punishable by death. <laughs> a sentinel fires an energy bolt at them, and Kurt goes down like a sack of crap. Yeah. Cyclops blasts another sentinel from the house. How did he know to do that? Because the professor keeps a constant low-level rapport with all the X-Men. Yeah, creepy. You know, for their protection. (laughs) More sentinels rise from the lake, and we learn that they are being controlled by Sebastian Shaw and a team of fembots at a bank of computers. (laughs) Colossus and Wolverine smash the shit out of a couple of sentinels, but it's rough going. Wolverine gets blinded, Cyclops and the Professor are attacked, and Colossus gets pounded into the ground like a golf tee. At that moment, Emma slash Storm arrives. Nightcrawler bamps some C4 on the legs of all the Sentinels, and in ten seconds it seems like the tide has turned. Would that it were so simple. (laughs) That it were so simple. (laughs) Storm swoops down after carelessly knocking a Sentinel into Wolverine, then, after suggesting that Colossus drop his armor, zaps everyone with lightning. Back at Emma Frost's academy, Roro's night continues to be difficult. Although she uses her lockpicking skills to get out of the sub-basement, her brain is overwhelmed with telepathic noise. Yep. She has a brief memory of some advice from her old friend Jean Grey, and realizes that she needs a similar sort of mental discipline that she uses to control the weather to focus her mind. Yep. She heads to Kitty's dorm room, forgetting that Kitty doesn't realize who she actually is. Kitty lunges toward an escape and gets blasted unconscious by a careless shot of psionic stuff. So, to recap, (laughs) Araro and Emma Frost have switched bodies, and none of the good guys knows this. The Sentinels are back, and they're now controlled by the Hellfire Club. All of the X-Men, plus Nightcrawler's girlfriend, are unconscious. Kitty is also unconscious and possibly dead. How are they going to get out of this one? <laughs> a very dire situation. It oh, very dire, dire is dire is exactly the right word to use. Very dire indeed. Oh my goodness, yes. So oof, with that, yeah, I'm 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 still catching my breath from everything that happens <laughs> in this issue. It sounds like it sounds like I'm I'm kind of mocking it, but I am not. No, it was a very plot wise. I thought it was a very exciting issue. Yeah, uh, especially because it surprised me. The switcheroo surprised me, and then I had to go back and yeah. figure out what happened. Um, and yeah, there was some confusing. I was a little confused, but yeah, it's very, very thrilling. Thrilling conclusion. Can't wait to see what happens next week. And when I read this the first time, I couldn't wait either. Yeah. It was, you only need to wait a week. I had to wait a full month, month yeah. to get this. <laughs> Like somehow I had missed one fifty uh, at the comic store, or maybe like I couldn't afford the, the, the you know the, the fact that it was a double issue. issue. I don't know, but um, this one I I have. I remember reading this one, and I, I read this and and the the conclusion over and over again. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. 
because it was it was just that good. Uh, so much of it I, I enjoyed, like the switcheroo, and uh, just played very very well. Uh, it's a fantastic device that you can that you can get away with in comics and yeah. sci-fi, and it was just really really tremendous. Yeah, yeah, no, it was a good one. So, but my my one thing that I noticed about this, I liked the I loved the plot, and but like none of the people looked right in this one. When you say the like okay. none of the the art, really? Yeah, like none of them. I thought the art was fantastic. Eh, I don't know. They okay. didn't like when you look at the cover. The cover is not great. Yeah. So I have the other. I have the opposite. Like on the cover, everybody looks how they should look. Okay. But then when you move to the next counterpoint, page, they don't. <laughs> whatever. Yeah. Suddenly, nobody looks right. Like Kitty looks like she's somehow forty. Kitty looks different. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, I, I will. Um, I, I agree with you there. You know, none of them. Just they're like they don't look right. I don't know how to how else to describe it. None of them look like themselves. Aurora looks different in every single frame from yeah. the past. Uh, Wolverine looks different. I don't know. Fair enough. That was not distracting to me, but it was something yeah. that I paid attention to. Uh, this is kind of an occupational hazard of reading comics, yeah. is that every writer, every artist is going to reinterpret it. Um, like, I mean, consider, this is more extreme, obviously, but like, consider all of the resistance that Daniel Craig had to playing James Bond. Yeah, true. Uh, I mean, like some, I mean, not loads, but I'm sure that, <laughs> I'm sure that there's somebody who's still fucked off about the fact <laughs> that, uh, you know, James Blonde <laughs> was cast. Daniel um, Craig was awesome as James Bond. Daniel Craig was awesome as James Dan- Bond. Did I say David Craig? Daniel Craig was awesome yeah. as James Bond. Yeah. And uh, no one will ever convince me otherwise. Yeah. Um, but this is different because, I don't know, I, yeah, I, mean, I guess different. I don't draw, so it feels right. like it shouldn't, you know, obviously to me it feels like it should be 100% easy for everyone to draw, for different artists to draw the same people in different positions yeah. looking exactly true to life all the time, which, you know, when I say it out loud, obviously it sounds crazy. Right. Yeah. Well, um, not that crazy. What am I trying to say? It does sound crazy. I remember talking to someone who is an artist and, and a painter and, you know, is, is sells paintings. Right. Um, but then her talking about how difficult, like she was doing something which was like more of an illustrative thing and how hard right. it is to like capture the same character from different angles. It's like a okay. completely different yeah. talent, uh, you know, a completely different sort of skill set. Absolutely. And I can't, I can't draw for shit either. Yeah. Um, I, you do occasionally see artists emulate other artists' styles, mm-hmm. which is not quite the same thing. I think that's what I was thinking of. But no, no it's, it, it's tricky. I, I think also artists want to express themselves. Yeah, sure. I mean, yeah, they have yeah. a different uh, I mean, view th- th- of how their character should look. Yeah, there are certain. There's a certain lane that they have to stay in. Yeah. Um, Kitty has to look as though she's you know, 13. Here, maybe she doesn't. She doesn't. She looks yeah, older she's than 13. older. She's got these like cheekbone things, which you wouldn't really. Yeah, you know, she's yeah, got yeah. like almost like she's got like lines on her. You know, sort of in her eye area. She's wearing that like red lipstick. I mean, the haircut is unforgivable, but that's just. You know, I mean, unforgivable. It's unforgivable. It's like a mullet. Her haircut? Yeah, they've kind of given her a mullet. Kid, you're you're quite wrong. Mm-hmm. It's not a mullet. It's sort of a mullet. Oh, it's whatever. like a lady lady mullet. And uh, anyway, but yeah, yeah, I don't know that when I, when I actually looked at the first page, the, the what is it? Not the cover, but the next page. Splash page. The splash page. Um, I thought that was some other person. You can be forgiven for thinking yeah. that. Yeah. It was briefly because some other some other Jew in a bathing suit. Uh-huh. Yeah, okay. Uh, I did write down that I it made me happy how like in the forefront Katie's Jewish star mm-hmm. star of David is. Can you call it a Jewish star? Uh, that's what I always call it. Really? Yeah. Come come fight me. That sounds like, like that. the sort of thing. If, <laughs> like like if I were to do that, then I would be called on the carpet. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not Taking umbrage at that. Star of David. <laughs> Why would you be called on the carpet? It's called a Jew. I don't even like to say the word Jew. <laughs> okay. Because I mean, you're afraid you're using it wrong. Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay, fair. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay. Star of David. I mean, I don't yeah. take I mean, offense at Jewish star. You, and I can call it whatever I damn well look, please. Look, yeah. look. Here, here are the rules of political correctness. <laughs> I'm not allowed to do anything. <laughs> 
tongue in cheek is what I'm saying here. But no, you, you can call it whatever the fuck you want. Yeah. Uh, I would say Star of David. Uh, yeah, I mean that's a, that's also a fine thing to call it. But yes, yeah, yeah. like it's, it's clearly visible because she's wearing so little else. So it seems like they really wanted to make a, a like a thing of it. Like a they really wanted you to see that. I don't the know. the Star of David. Yeah. I think they really wanted us to see these people in bathing suits. I mean, I guess, <laughs> you know, but... We, 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 I feel like every episode we, we talk about sort of the problematic element of the male gaze. But this isn't even male gazy. Um, you know, I, 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 I look at Colossus in his Speedo and I think, you know, we're, we're equal opportunity here. <laughs> um, yeah, he is wearing a Speedo. And, and particularly in, uh, yeah, like page three. Um, yeah. There's just no way around it. <laughs> He's wearing a speedo, and like, like we got the sack lunch there. <laughs> so it, it's, I mean, it's inappropriate, <laughs> but the inappropriateness is is like not that gendered. Yeah. Like, okay, we've got um, Cyclops who clearly he swims in like a scuba outfit. Well, I don't know if he's swimming or not. Also, all right, and, let, and let's. And also, you know, a little bit Speedo-like as well with yeah, the, I mean, yeah, the color of his yeah, costume. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> but, but also, what, what, yeah, I said she, she drops her, her, her cover up. But, like, yeah, why? Yeah. <laughs> like, on, on that same page where we get a real good look at Colossus' package, um, <laughs> she drops the cover up just so that you know, we can see more of her. Like, she she's 13. Yeah. I, I don't... I mean, and then on the next page where she's got the computer, there's this I mean, drawing her as like like a mature woman. Um, like I'm I'm seeing more of Kitty's ass than I'd care to. Yeah. Well, and then in the actually like yeah. in the um, where she goes through the bookshelf or whatever yeah. above her bed, like yeah. there's also the suggestion like she's in bed, she's got the teddy bear covering her, then she goes through the bookshelf and yeah. like the, it like it almost felt like there was a suggestion of like is she still even wearing her top. Maybe, you know, like, is it? Oh, that. And then you see, obviously, beneath it that she is. But yeah, there's yeah, just, like, yeah. a lot of nudity for a 13-year-old. A lot of skin. Yeah. A lot of skin. All right, let's move on. But I do um, like that they make her really Jewish. Yeah. So, there's that. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I, I'll go ahead and finish that thought. Um, apart from wearing a Star of David necklace, which, of course, you do. Uh, <laughs> I do not. But you wear do not. A star and I've never seen you yeah. uh, wear one. Um, I mean, did she do any other Jewish thing? She no, celebrates she, Hanukkah. She celebrates Hanukkah, but they not not Rosh Hashanah. Not but they have else, that necklace but, in the forefront. Yeah, yeah on yeah. you know in in many pictures of her, and none of the other um, X Men sort of seem to wear religiously signifying. I want to say Nightcrawler does. No, not in this issue, not often, but he does. I mean, he, he's he's very overtly Christian. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, is Cyclops back in the X Men? I mean, yeah. Why not? He was he was uh, working on a shrimp boat. <laughs> Lee Forrester. He, he was shrimping down there. Shrimping down there. Yeah. By the way, we should we should put in a plug for that. Uh, I forgot now. Uh, El Madrigal. El Madrigal has a comedy special on Netflix, yes, it's and I'm sure that he's he, he's going to really appreciate <laughs> the platoon of X Men Files fans. Yeah, who are going to be but if really you haven't seen it, you should watch it. That's really good. Really funny. It's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, real, and we're like we're sort of comedy. We're a little bit snobby. We're not snobby. We just don't uh, just, find you know, we take a in a lot of, of comedy, and, yeah. and there's good stuff. Um, it was way better than the Seinfeld. The Seinfeld thing is also fine, but uh, the Al Madrigal yeah. one is one of the best stand-up things that I've seen. Probably the best stand-up thing that I've seen this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was really really good. Yeah. So watch watch that. It's on Netflix. Shrimped it, baby. <laughs> okay, shrimping ain't easy. Uh, all right, so so yeah, he was working trying- on a shrimp boat. Now he's back. Yeah. Working for a while on a shrimp and boat just outside of Delacroix. <laughs> and then the bottom fell out and I was lucky to be employed. Um, okay. <laughs> What's that from? Uh, Tangled Up in Blue. Uh, which actually, you know, now that I think about it, I want to rewrite those lyrics to capture Cyclops post Jean Grey death. <laughs> uh, it's all about kind of like, well, whatever. Um, another plug. Um, uh, Blood on the Tracks by Bob Dylan. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good... 
listen to that too. In case you've not gotten around, there's this there's this kid. He's a boy. I don't know what he's got. He's got that certain something. He writes a lot of songs. Some of them are protest songs. Some of them are relationship songs. Some of them are just fucking weird. <laughs> also, yeah. now he's eighty. Uh, yeah, he's got nothing. Close, close to it. Tooth there. Passed, anyway, yeah. yeah, yeah. So Bob Dylan, he's gonna he's gonna make some waves. I'll tell you. <laughs> he's gonna take the world by Cyclops. <laughs> Cyclops is obviously. He's back in uniform. Weirdly, though, he... Well, no, that's not true. Wolverine is sort of in uniform. I was going to say he's the only yeah. one in, and also Nightcrawler, so never mind. So, yeah, yeah, that's exactly... As I was writing it up, I really wanted to make a big deal out of the fact that everybody's in a swimming suit. Uh, swimming suit? Baby Maybe suit, Wolverine's got a towel around his neck, though. So that, too. Like, I think that... I think that it's like his version of a rash guard. <laughs> I, I think that uh, Cyclops, Wolverine, and Nightcrawler were in the daydream. I think that's what we're meant to assume. Mm-mm. Uh, whereas everybody else had been swimming. I kept waiting and, for and, them to mention and, it. And, and Professor Xavier, with, with the, like the 70s uh, level of shirt buttoning. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm not sure where we were going with any of that. Yeah, we were just... Uh, we more, were skin than, more skin than we need skin, on a 13-year-old. A, yeah. yeah, um, a, a lot of people in underwear. I had written down Kitty is in underwear, Emma Frost is in underwear, Storm is in underwear, and like the scene, the, the sort of flashback scene. Yeah. Uh, um, period. When she's got stuff on top of her underwear, Aurora looks fabulous in this issue. Yeah. And say what you will about the, the drawing. Um, I love when her she's sort in of Kitty's orange bedroom. dress kind of headscarf Thing oh, that thing is that awesome! She had yeah, that thing is really fantastic. Clothes, she had boots. Yeah, very yeah. stylish. Man, oh man, yeah, yeah. She looks like a million bucks uh, in this issue, uh, uh, sartorially speaking. Uh, Cyclops gets dressed up for Kitty's farewell. He's yeah, got the uh, the, like powder, the powder shoes, blue yeah. suit. Wait, red oh, shoes. Oh no, that's, sorry, does? I was thinking of the wrong person. Yes, Colossus. Cyclops gets, yes, Colossus has red shoes. Cyclops. Gets well, because he's stuff. he's Soviet and he likes to wear red. <laughs> he likes to wear red. It's red, brown, and brown. Or is that orange red on mustard. top? <laughs> mustard on top. Yeah, that wouldn't brown fly. On the that wouldn't fly. I, I I don't know that he can pull that off. Okay. Um, yeah, so they're coupled up, Kitty and Colossus. Yeah, What's that, that all about? I mean, apart from the weird, obvious age difference, you know. Superheroes deserve, you know, companionship as well. Okay. <laughs> um, they've sort of been hinting around that for a long they time. They have been. Yeah. I think at some point they say that she's 13. I can't remember. I, I, I get lost constantly about what Kitty's age is meant to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we touched on this at one point. Like, she'll get sort of accelerated aging and... In about one year, she's going to be 17. Right. Uh, they, they want her to be a teenager. When she will be appearing fully topless. <sighs> Look. <laughs> you all couldn't see Brian roll his eyes at me just now. They did hear me sigh. And in yeah. case you didn't, here it is again. <sighs> okay. Um, we've already... <laughs> all right. Okay. Nobody, nobody goes topless. No women to go topless. Look, let me be clear. Like, that's sort of the final... <laughs> <laughs> threshold for them to cross. I mean, like, it's it's bad enough. We don't need to. We don't need to exaggerate. True. Okay. Because what's on the page is already problematic yeah. enough. All right. Uh, divorce. Do you want to talk about divorce in the? Uh, oh, please. Divorce? Let's talk about divorce. I don't know. Like, was the eighties a? Oh, that popular, was the divorce decade. Yeah, seventies, yeah, 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 Getting divorced at that time. So it seemed like. Um, yeah, it's funny. I hadn't actually thought about that. I hadn't, I hadn't picked up on, on divorce, but, uh, yeah, that was a big theme. It, relevant for me. My parents split up, I think, in 1980. Right. Kicking off the decade <laughs> with, with a divorce. With a bang. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and other people did. It was one of the social movements. I mean, I, I think that it... I don't know enough to really say what the, what triggering event there was. I know that California introduced no-fault divorce either in the 60s or the 70s. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, all of the social upheaval in, in, in the 60s and 70s. Eventually, the statistics are that, yeah, people got divorced. Right. Um, it's not quite as dire as people thought it was. But certainly, uh, portrayal in popular culture, loads of movies about, mm, about, about divorce. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I, when I wrote that down, I sort of thought that maybe they would do a little bit more with that. I had actually not fully realized that that was I thought that her parents had sent her to that school because they knew that she had some like weird powers or something no no 
Okay. No, I'm Aren't there private sh- schools in Deerfield? You tell me. I don't know. Um, I, mean, I mean, yes, I presume that there are. Yeah. Um, where people who work in Chicago in the finance industry, like douchebags like that, send their kids <laughs> away to boarding school. I don't um, know anyone that sent their kids away to boarding school from the Midwest. Oh, I do. Uh, we're not going to name this person, but uh, we used to work for her. Oh, I'm pretty okay. sure that yep. uh, she sent her kids away because um, I have every reason to believe that she's a terrible parent. Anyway, we'll not say this. Is... <laughs> Side note, you are not a terrible parent for sending your kids to boarding school. No, I, that, that's not the evidence that I have. She might I think be a she's, terrible parent. She's a terrible person. She so. might be a terrible person. <laughs> yeah, she's not a, not a good person. I, she um, never, I never had any issues with her, I do have to say. But, you know, okay, I was let's, mostly let's, under her radar. We, we, should, we should back up a taste yeah. for people triangulating who I'm talking about. Um, okay, so divorce. Yeah. D-I-V-O-R-C-E. C-E, yep. So, I don't know. That was something that I felt like a sort of a low-key spot the 80s uh thing you know divorce was kind of true true it was an 80s thing but um i'm gonna remember this because i always have to look to where to place the stinger so it actually i I should write it down i don't don't, all right shut up brian the real (laughs) the the real um and, and and get ready for for like the brief the brief pause for the cut speaking of spot the 80s preppy preppy yeah this is a term that I think existed for about five years, uh, and then and then we moved on to yuppie. Yuppie has has had staying power. Yes. Yeah. Where did pre- preppy? I guess prep school. Prep school, exactly. Prep school, yeah. yeah. Um, there was a book called the Complete Preppy Handbook. All right. A comedic thing that somehow my mother had a copy of, and so I was I was like ten. Was like, uh, or whatever, and I read this thing, and I sort of got it. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't quite understand what the social critique was, right. um, but I knew that there was this group of people who had money, and we didn't like them. We made fun of them, and yeah, like they, they would show up on episodes of Night Court and stuff like this. <laughs> Uh, like They're like, penny loafers and right, Oxford right. shirts. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and looking back on that, I think sh- either surely we had bigger fish to fry in 1981, <laughs> like the nuclear holocaust and <laughs> stuff like that, and uh, you know Reagan eviscerating the uh, the, uh, the trying to eviscerate the welfare state. Yeah. Um, or we were so tired of all that other shows. Like you know what? <laughs> yeah, to me, like preppy, that sort of that thing seems like more of a later 80s thing early 80s early 80s yeah, definitely yeah. um and, and when i say early we all know that the 80s did not begin in 1980 mm-hmm. uh depending on what you're what you're thinking of like they began in either 1978 or 1985 hmm. uh, but um I, i'll look at i may be wrong about this but uh, we we transitioned to, to yuppie i think pretty quick but yuppie is something a little bit different it is different yes yeah. absolutely um, but it, when we want to engage in reverse elitism, uh, yuppie is the term <laughs> that, we, that we use. Yeah. People yeah. who live in cities are trash. Okay, fine. <sighs> <laughs> um, one thing that I really liked about this issue, I yeah. wanted to say episode, like I really love the, the relationship between... Uh, Aurora and, and Kitty. Yeah, it's great. Like how she calls her a kitten, and you know, it was, it was like sad when she said, "Like, I, you know, I've been acting like her mother for so long." I'm not actually sure how long at this point she's been with uh, a while. The X Men, like yeah. a, like a year or longer. You, you can't really measure that in comic book time. You can, in terms of issue time, it's been twenty issues. All right, like, okay. uh, is that right? Yeah, right, like like, like twenty, 20 yeah. issues. I think she first appeared in like one twenty nine or one thirty. They actually say in this goddamn issue, I shouldn't look it up. Yeah, X Men one twenty nine. Yeah, yeah. So that so yeah. over twenty issues. <laughs> yeah, so she's like, how she, you know, I'd, I'd sort of forgotten that I wasn't really her mother, and <clears throat> all of their conversation with yeah. each other is very, very sweet. And you know, I particularly liked the. Um, I think it's on page nine. Yeah. Where she's like, you know, they Kitty comes back from having toured the school with her new like weird. With Muffy. Preppy, preppy, yeah. friend. Right. Um. Was that actually Muffy? I'm not sure. I don't know. And uh, 
said, oh, you know, I sense somehow things are not quite as awful as you'd anticipated, like kind of trying to make, you know, put a positive spin on it. And, mm-hmm. you know, Katie sort of tries to put on a brave face. And it's very sweet. Although actually at that point. At that point, it's not Aurora. It's not Aurora, right? Yeah. But it's uh, it's Emma Frost doing a. What Was there an Emma Frost movie? No. She appears in a movie. What, and, and January Jones plays. January her, Jones right, okay. plays as soon her. As I mentioned Emma Frost, I had this image of January yeah. Jones in my in my head. January Jones that was X Men First Class, okay. which in an earlier episode you claimed not to be able to remember having seen. You've but, told me that I've seen it. Yeah, yeah. we have seen it. Jan, um, brief aside about January Jones, I can't tell if she's a good actress. She's amazing in Mad Men. Yeah, she was not amazing in, in X Men First Class. I can't tell if she's a good actress. She's not done actually. Loads of other Loads stuff. Of other stuff. Yeah. yeah, I don't know why. Yeah, and and at least physically, she's who I would pick to play yeah, yeah, yeah. Emma yeah, Frost. She's a very good but Emma she, Frost. I mean, Emma Frost is so she's she's like a frenemy to the X Men. She, I mean, she she does a face turn. Oh, she does later on. Yeah, okay. like the many many issues after okay. this, she does a face turn. Um, but she's still like 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 kind of she's rogue, roguish. Yes, <laughs> she's roguish. <laughs> Um, to our listeners, uh, Inessa has mentioned Rogue because we were trying to figure out what character, what Dungeons and Dragons character class we would all be, and I, I've posited that um, Inessa would be a Rogue. Inessa's not sure. Well, you'd said Paladin, but you made a you made a compelling case for Paladin. Yeah. Um, when I hear Paladin, I immediately think of kind of insufferable uh, evangelical sex, which is I think how the class is usually played. <laughs> Um, yeah, they're uh, trying to think, uh, what's, what's the, whatever, um, like the Knights Templar, that, that kind of thing, uh, that they're, that they're sort of very religious, but, but the way that you spun it was, I mean, if, if your immediate family is sort of your deity or your cause that you right, serve, religion, then, yeah. then yeah, you, you <laughs> then, are very then worrying about right. them is my job. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. But, but I still say rogue. Interesting. Um, <clears throat> Brian is a, is a bard. Now, to I, himself. Well, yeah. Okay. So here we, we go. We all agreed. Here we. Yeah. Well, wait a minute. Like, like, what do you think my class should be? Um, I think that was a good one. Okay. Yeah. I didn't. Okay. I didn't have any. I mean, I had. You know, I'd need to sit down with a book and do a more detailed. Uh, so there's the book. <laughs> yeah, the book is right there. <laughs> a more detailed uh, study. I don't want to make a bunch of noise. I mean, yeah, yeah. Well, well here, put the book down. I'll just give you uh, a rundown of some of the other classes. Um, and, and by the way, this is not us getting off topic. If you have found this podcast and you're listening to it this many minutes, you probably like Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> okay. So. This, and for this the record, is a, I'm, not a, I'm not a D&D person. Yeah, surprising whatever, no one. Whatever you, that you, you didn't, you didn't thing play that is called. Up. I did not play um, that growing up, and, and I have not been successful in playing with you. As we're going to try. As we're going to try this week. We're going to try yeah. to, like, one session uh, uh, during this week. Um, okay, so the, the classes are, and I'll try to remember the uh, the fifth edition classes, uh, and, and not rely on that. So the aforementioned a rogue and a bard. Mm-hmm. Rogue is like a thief or an assassin, uh, or, you know, maybe just somebody working the angles. Um not necessarily physically uh, imposing, but but still uh, adept uh, at a fight. No spellcasting abilities, but can do all sorts of things like sleight of hand and uh, you know that sort of thing. Um, yeah, bard <laughs> is actually people don't need me to to, to, to rattle off the class. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll do yeah. the, I'll do this quickly. So bard, we've already mentioned. Um, I could be some form of magic user, like you know, wizard, uh, spellcaster. Well, I, 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 I actually thought the one. So, so Brian was a bard. Uh, our little boy was a ranger. Yeah, and our right. girl was a was a cleric. Yes, um, I agree with all of those. Okay, and and, and is, I think that and this was this was all figured out in aid of figuring out what order we were going to walk in on a hike. <laughs> Who goes out into the woods single file without coming up with a marching order? <laughs> What asshole does, does this? <laughs> now you put the ranger in front. You yeah. gotta have uh, you gotta have the rogue in the middle, yeah. uh, and at the very back you got a cleric and you know bard also in the, in the yeah. middle. So that, that was our a, that was our a, walking order that worked best for our family. Was the boy Anessa, me? Anessa, marching order. Marching marching order. Yes. Oh, not walking order. No. Okay. Walking order it makes it sound kind of like a you know fun jaunt or something. Yeah. Marching order is like you're going through a dungeon. Yeah. Me and then the girl. 
No, and then you and then the girl. The girl was sort of brandishing a stick too, so it felt better to have no one behind her. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we 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 switched up, but but um, yeah. So ranger, rogue, bard, cleric. That would be a good marching order. (laughs) Returning to this issue. So another another thing that I wrote down. So I'm reading. She's still, as far as I know, Aurora. Yeah. She pulls over. She has this whole thing with the weather. Her clothes get ripped off. Yeah. And then she gets back in the car and has a cigarette. Yeah. (laughs) I wrote down, Aurora has sex with the weather. I think that's a very fair read of what happened. And then I wrote down, wait, it's not Aurora. Yeah. Yeah, so she... (laughs) So she and dry. There's no other way to read it. It's like the whole yeah. like these sensations through my body. <laughs> yeah, she dry humps anything. the wind. Yeah, I don't think she dry humps it. I think she really. Whoa. Yeah. Okay. yeah. I don't... So Feels like... the electricity coursing through her, and uh, yeah, okay. Yeah. And, and then and then and then has a cigarette. And then has a cigarette. It was yeah. just very suggestive. Yeah. So smoking as a culture, we we've gotten away from that, and and good. We're we're better off uh, as a people, but um. In 1981, her lighting up would have been uh, not neutral necessarily, but not as not as suggestive of evil as it, as it would be now, as a villainy as it as it, hmm. as it is now. It wasn't villainy; it was like post. Yeah, no, I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a post-coital cigarette. <laughs> yeah. um, but also, like we know that Aurora doesn't smoke. Oh, I, I guess I didn't actually know that. Yeah, I mean, I mean it didn't that yeah. even that didn't seem weird. It didn't seem weird to me. And even when she called Sebastian, Sebastian Shaw, yeah. that didn't even seem weird to me because then I I thought maybe that was the twist as like some she's in goats. Yeah, like that some <laughs> person on the inside at the Hellfire, Hellfire Club is yeah. in cahoots. But then when he said, da 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 da. Well, yeah, it was. It wasn't until when he said, "As the White Queen," that I was like, "Hold on, yeah, yeah." Now I'm confused. Now I have right. to go back, you know, and and figure out what had happened. But yeah, Roro just shags the weather. <laughs> but before that meteorological shagging, Shakespeare. Yes, I was. Yeah. At first, I was like, "What is all this?" And then I saw the. You don't know that one? No. Oh, that's a goodie. Yeah. No. I did not know it. I read it, you know, trying to... And then read it again. Drenched our steeples and uh, drowned the cocks? Yeah. <laughs> so, my, my other question also on that... Singe my whitehead. Oh, you know what? You cataracts and hurricanes. It's not hurricanes. It's uh, hurricanoes. That's huh. uh, how I've seen that. Um, keep talking because I'm going to grab my copy of King Lear off the shelf. Which we know where it is. Um, yeah, yeah. The other Talk. thing that was confusing to me is like, and, and I also went back to look at this. So like when Aurora wakes up in the body of Emma Frost, she's... Did, did, did you see how quickly I grabbed King Lear? You did, yeah. yeah. Um, when she wakes up in the body of Emma Frost, she is not wearing the costume that Emma Frost was wearing when they switched. Wait, but say that again? When oh, 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 Aurora wakes up when in the body yeah, yeah, yeah. of Emma Frost, she's not wearing this. Like she's wearing that sort of purple, yeah, that weird um, neck negligee thing. Yeah, that yeah, that really cokey nightgown. Uh, yep, here it is. Yeah, blow winds and crack your cheeks, rage blow you, cataracts and hurricanoes. Hmm. Spout, fancy. Uh, sure. On the, on the right hand side of them. Right hand yeah. side. Hurricanoes spout till you've drenched our steeples, drown drown the dark cocks. cocks, drown the cocks. <laughs> gotta gotta drown those cocks. Um, yeah, so the, and then that's something about the, like there were a number of like I keep coming back to this because this actually hasn't bothered me that much in some of the other issues, but like yeah. something about the fashion choices for the women in this issue obviously is not sitting well with me because I keep like why did she change her into that like weird negligee thing? She knocked her yeah. unconscious and then changed her clothes. Yeah. It's weird. The fashion choices here are like kind of a mixed bag. I think Aurora has some really has a couple of really awesome yeah. outfits. After she gets dressed from like the bikini that she's in, yeah, nothing wrong with that. But no, you're right. Yeah. The um, like on page fourteen when she wakes up, uh, that outfit yeah. is like Studio Fifty Four, like Coketacular. Yeah. Why uh, did she like take the trouble to change her into that outfit? It's so bizarre. Yeah. 
Apart from that, though, um, if you're going to be imprisoned, not a bad prisoner. Maybe we see on the bottom of uh, page 13, like she's got a... You know, a, a desk with a lamp yeah, and a pitcher of water. Yeah. Uh, you've got a bathroom. Yeah, weirdly, like a sink and a bathroom, and a bathroom. or maybe that's a full length mirror. I'm not sure we're quite sure what's oh, going maybe, on there, yeah. but um, yeah, I think yeah, nice. Mirror. You know, not that's a not a bad prison. Very considerate. Uh, gilded cage. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, the Sentinels. Yes. Remind me where are they came. <clears throat> Who are they? So this is significant. Um, it, it, well, it may be significant. Uh, the first time that I read this, I, I was dimly aware of who the Sentinels were. Mm-hmm. If you were a longtime reader of the comic, this is, holy shit, the Sentinels are back. Right, because they all seem to know who they are. They're not like, right. who the fuck are these guys? Yeah. yeah. So, and this is a really fantastic callback to like 10 issues ago. Okay. Um, but backing up a day. The Sentinels are robots who have been programmed to kill mutants. Okay. And uh, I can't remember which Trask. Uh, Trask is the family name of, um, I can't remember who the first one is, um, Joe Trask, yeah. um, has, has has invented these things. And then his son kind of carried it on. Uh, the Sentinels first showed up in, like, gosh, like issue 20 or something mm-hmm. like that of, of the X-Men. Um, so the X-Men have fought them a couple of times. Uh, and, and the Whoever the most recent iteration of of, of, of Trask uh, is is dead, and they think, well, that's that. Right. That's the end of that of that program. Um, in I think it was issue one forty two or one forty three, you saw Sebastian uh, Sebastian Shaw. By the way, I always want to say Sebastian Stan. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but um, yeah. So Sebastian Shaw, you saw him in the Pentagon or or somewhere talking to um Gyrich, Gyrich right. or something like that. So. Barely remember that. Right. Yeah. So, so the Sentinels were a government-sponsored program, mm-hmm. but a sort of like, you know, CIA off-book <laughs> kind of a thing. Secret program, yeah. Right. So, like, they still have the blueprints <laughs> of the Sentinels right. somewhere. And so now Sebastian Shaw has reignited this. He's human. He's a mutant. He's a mutant. Yes. So why does he want to... He wants to use the Sentinels to kill the X-Men. Just the X-Men. Let's say yes. Okay. Yeah, or, or mm-hmm. and also and or to have some measure of control. So it's not some continuation stuff. of the sort of um, our mutants, uh, whatever storyline. It's like more. Like, no, no, it definitely is. Yeah. You know, well, I mean, it's both. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So the Sentinels are back, uh, and that's and that's a bad thing. They're very very tall. The height of <clears throat> Sentinels changes. Well, yeah, I mean, it kind of depends. I struggle with the physical proportions of them. I, like, I read somewhere they're meant to be 20 feet tall, which is kind of tall. but Pretty tall. These look like, I don't know, like 30, 40 feet tall. And, yeah, like about, about twice the size. Uh, and they're all controlled by uh, women who... <laughs> what... <laughs> You, you've seen James Bond films. We we name check James Bond so often in this yeah. thing. Um, okay, but um, gosh, what particularly like late seventies, early eighties, the Bond villains would have these female yeah. hench people yeah. <laughs> in matching, yeah. yeah, like in matching unitards. Yeah. And like this, this, yeah. Oh, wearing yellow dresses. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Except for the one that's wearing like a. Dominatrix costume. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Wearing um, wearing lingerie is kind of one of the defining characteristics of female membership in the Hellfire Club. Mm, okay. uh, Emma Frost has has the white kit. Uh, this gal doesn't. So if you're a girl, you wear lingerie like garters and pants and corsets and God knows yeah. what. Um, if you're a dude, you wear a three-piece suit and an ascot. <laughs> you're just as covered up as possible. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Multiple layers of clothing. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's crazy. All right. All right. The letters. Oh, yeah, yeah, the letters. Yeah, let's talk about the letters. Um, before we talk about the letters, uh, <laughs> problematic female representation aside... I love, love, love this issue. I know that I said that earlier, but I just want to say it again. Um, there's just like so much happening here. It's really groovy. Plot is just 
zero to 60 in three seconds yeah. and then like it's like at 120 yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, this cool, thing is just cool firing on all things and like again I, reading it again I'm like i don't know how they're gonna get out of this <laughs> yeah i don't know either. <laughs> like they are they are fucked i don't know how they're gonna <laughs> things get are out looking of this. dire yeah for yeah. our heroes yeah i'm excited to read the next one which i will be recapping you will on next next sunday, sunday. Yeah. yeah okay the letters. Yeah, t- talk about the letters. Tell me about the letters. So when I first started reading that the the first the the first letter, <clears throat> going through it about how like you know drugs like she's thirteen and a half and why don't they have like who who even in the eighties is doing drug? I mean I knew some people that did drugs maybe not in the eighties but you know more yeah. than I but like thirteen and a half feels like Pretty a little young. on the young side. A little young to be dabbling even if you're from Deerfield where you know. A lot of that shit like, happens. Like yeah, a lot, of, shit, yeah. a lot of rich, bored kids. Um, but then when I got to the end of the letter and realized that it was like re- a child writing it. Yep. Um, the, it, it just... Amy it, Cohen, age 14. It just seemed really sweet because, you know, Amy Cohen probably did like her school's, uh, you know, D.A.R.E. program, whenever, yeah. that, whenever that started. And uh, probably really believed that there are other kids her age, even though she didn't know any... In the world, because that's what they told her in yeah. her drug resistance class or whatever, that we're really into drugs. Yeah. <laughs> and you have to be really, really, really careful. I don't know, man. Uh, yeah. I don't know East 58th Street, doing... Brooklyn, New York. Uh, you know, I, I, mean, don't, I don't want to yeah. be all... I mean, that, that wouldn't make them a yuppie. Maybe it would. I don't know. I don't know where East 58th Street is. I, I, you don't know what that part of Brooklyn yeah. was like at that time either, because that's yeah. all yeah, you yeah. Know, changing. But um, yeah, it was a... you know it. it made me think of how much time we spent. And I don't know when the, the D.A.R.E. program and all that started. Oh, that was a Nancy Reagan. Well, yeah. I don't know about D.A.R.E., but I know, just say no, that, that was a Nancy Reagan yeah. thing. Uh, or Nancy Reagan went on to <laughs> spot the 80s. Nancy <laughs> Reagan went on to different strokes to tell uh, Gary Coleman that he shouldn't use drugs. He shouldn't use drugs. Yeah. Do not use drugs. But yeah, yeah it just seemed if, like if a only, very... If only that message had landed with uh, Dana Plato yeah. and uh, Todd Bridges. Uh, God, God bless him. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it seemed like a very sort of of the time thing for a 14 year old to think was a big issue for other 14 year olds or 13 year olds or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, it's funny. It's weird because I read that and I'm like, like holy shit. Uh, clearly all that's going on. But um, no, actually, I think your take is probably more, more like it. Yeah. yeah. Um, like, uh, okay. Um, by the way, uh, as time goes by, you can bet we'll see Kitty confronting these dilemmas. I don't know that she did. <laughs> and, and I'm pretty okay with that. Yeah. Um, also, I don't know when this one came out. There's a very... Uh, this one came fi- out in November in 81. No, no. I'm, oh. I'm, the thing that I'm about to describe. Oh. So Neil Adams... Um, Denny O'Neill... Ugh, anyway, my brain is Swiss cheese. Anyway, Neil Adams, among others, did a run on Green Arrow, Green Lantern that did look at social issues. Mm-hmm. And two very iconic moments from that series. And this would have been like the 70s, late-ish 70s. Um, Green Arrow has, like, like Robin to his Batman as a, a guy named Speedy, mm-hmm. who's also <laughs> like, like like teenager, sort of shooting heroin. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, they, DC had done that, uh, before this, uh, there was also one where, uh, African-American man is yelling at Green Lantern. It's like, uh, you, you care about the white people and the green people. Uh, how about if you people. care about, well, yeah. So yeah. Green Lantern, yeah. yeah. You know, aliens recognizing that, that, um, you know, like, like, like when, when are you going to, when are you going to help out the black people? The black people. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which, uh. Uh, it was at least because you know, race is something that doesn't often get acknowledged no, yeah. uh, in, in comics in, in a non-metaphorical way. I mean, you know, the X-Men absolutely is metaphorically uh, dealing with the, you know, with the race and ostracization and so forth. Yep. Yeah. Speaking of which, actually, we'll come back to this a bit. But, uh, so I, I just got done reading um, House of X, Powers of X, which is which came out like late. 2019 mm-hmm. and i'm reading it again because i'm i'm not sure i'm pretty sure i think maybe it, it's a metaphor for the establishment of the state of israel huh. okay. well, anyway 
Have a look so, at that. Yeah, yeah. Um, other things. Yeah, the uh, Cyclops thing. It's like tricked you. No, you didn't. Yeah. His, you know, his eye blasts don't blast through his eyelids. Right. But they blast through everything else. We had already figured that out because we're very smart. Smarter than Michael Viriella. Wow. Yeah. Uh, shots fired there, Michael <laughs> Variella. Sure, it's a very nice uh, man. I am sure it is. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that was my, my favorite letter was the one about the drugs. The other, I don't know who Corsair is, and uh, you know, I'm looking forward to finding out. You're going to meet Corsair soon. Yeah. Corsair is one of the Star Jammers and uh, created by Dave Cockrum. Uh, Dave Cockrum, possibly with an assist from, from Chris Claremont, although I want to say that Cockrum created most of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Star Jammers basically are the you could almost regard them as the prototype of the Guardians of the Galaxy. Okay. Yeah. Because they dance a lot? They jam? No. no. Guardians of the Galaxy don't dance a lot. They do. Peter They're Quill like does. music-y. They are a multi-species <laughs> no, that's crew not right. okay. of, uh, that's of, of folks who sort of live a little bit beyond the bounds of, of the law. The law. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, sort of like Robin Hood, uh, but, but you know the, this motley crew of, uh, <laughs> of, of, of folks. Um, all right. Well, I don't have anything else written down. Do you have anything else? I don't have anything else, but okay. I, I, somehow I want to give you the last word. I feel, I feel like I've been talking too much. No, you're fine. I'm going to give you the last word. So I'm going to put you on the spot. The last word. Um, read next week's issue. On the cover, there's like a, looks like a pretty, pretty exciting cat fight between... Uh, Aurora and Emma Frost, people will probably continue to wear only underpants. And uh, we'll see what happens. Yay! Yay. We'll see you all next week. (laughs) Thank you for listening to the X-Men Files. We are available on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. If you listen, please rate us. If you want to drop us a note, you can reach us via email at cerebro at xmenfiles.com. You can also check out our website, xmenfiles.com Our theme music is Invasion to Space Frog by Checky Brown That music available under a Creative Commons license Everything else was written, produced, and performed by Brian and Inessa Thanks for listening